Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Chicago Justice Show. We are back after the long weekend. There is so much to cover. I am your host, Tracy Siska. I'm also the executive director of the Chicago Justice Project. You can find out more about our transparency and accountability work at chicagojustice.org. So what are we talking about today? In our main segment, we're going to talk about Mayor Lightfoot's summer violence plan. Then we're going to talk about the new foot pursuit policy, if that's what you call it, released by the Chicago Police Department. Then we're going to do a double dip. Uh, no, we're going to do one at the um, double dip on the Alvarez shooting, one from Southside Weekly about a review of the actual shooting, and then one from Black Club Chicago um, talking about Evan Solano pulling a gun in seems like an off-duty incident, uh, some kind of traffic altercation. Um, why he wasn't stripped of his powers, we don't know. And then we're going to take a break. And after the break, we're going to talk about the social, our regular recurring segment, Social Media Fails. Um, we'll have one of our regulars in that uh, pool, as we always do. And then we're going to talk about the community safety team and a horrible raid they did after they so-called reformed their raids and warrants policies. Then we're going to talk about a, um, an attempt to um, pass a resolution in the Cook County Board about defunding the police or defunding the justice system. Uh, weak as it is, it is still getting resistance. And then we're going to talk about an example in Minneapolis about the mayor talking about how defund has led to more violence. Um, really sad, but you're going to hear that and you've heard a little bit of that in Chicago. We're going to talk about why they're both wrong. God forbid you call for accountability then. Of course, there's going to be more violence. But first, we're going to talk about CJP's Nation program. This is where volunteers and interns work on group research projects, do some direct advocacy, um, do social media activism, public policy activism, trying to help pass legislation that we've published, um, and all kinds of research projects. If you want to get involved, you can um, go to chicagojustice.org for more information, or actually you can go to this website. This is our nation website, um, and I believe the URL is chicagojustice.nationbuilder.com, and you can get all the information if you go to get involved or projects, you can find out, all, well, if you go to projects, you can find out everything we're working on, and if something floats your boat and you want to get involved, let us know, and then you go to the Get Involved tab, and you can contact us there and then we will contact you back about it um, we have a meeting this evening if you're interested hit us up at info at chicagojustice.org and i will pass you or someone will pass you the zoom link thank you so much if you're interested we really appreciate it okay we are going to move on to our first segment oh sorry about that ladies and gentlemen mayor lifefoot's plan to curb suburb violence includes focus on 15 high violence beats now if you're looking to do something strictly about reducing the violence in a way that will not be sustainable or achieve long-term goals, then this is it. This is the plan. This is how you do it. There's no doubt that the, much of the crime and violence, much of it, has been for years concentrated in certain zip codes, on certain districts, in police districts, in certain community areas, in certain beats even. There's no doubt about it. And flooding those beats with temporary resources are going to bring you temporary change. This may be more than Ram did. This may be more than Daly did. It is still an epic, unprecedented, unbelievable, long-term Failure. Failure. This is theater. Slightly better probably than the Rom Emanuel Theater and slightly better than the Richard Daly Theater and all the people that came before them. Slightly better. But this is not a long-term solution. There's this mythology among the powerful in Chicago and specifically most of the north side in Chicago the rich in Chicago, the business community in Chicago, the loop in Chicago, that if you just reduce the violence in certain areas of the Chicago, they will magically, that will magically create the circumstances for economic growth in those communities. Long-term, sustainable 
meaningful economic changes in those communities. It won't. There are not vast economic differences between the communities that the beats that have the higher rates of violence, those really high rates, and the ones that have slightly lower, and then maybe slightly lower than that. There aren't vast economic differences. Much of the South and West Side are, have been economically frozen out of all the economic benefits of living in Chicago, all of the benefits of being employed by the Loop and all the technology jobs at Google and Groupon and all that crapola. It isn't going to make long-term change. What Mayor Lightfoot is saying, what Rahm Emanuel said, what Richard Daly said, there's no difference almost between any of it, is that the poverty is fine. It'll magically change if we just reduce the numbers. It's just about bad decisions these people are making. And if they just made better ones, the economics will turn around. It won't. It won't. Anything we can do to make the lives of people on the South and West Side better is great. But don't blow smoke. This is not going to last to meaningful long-term solutions in these communities. This is another Band-Aid. The, the mayor of Chicago controls TIF funds that at least in 2019 collected almost a billion dollars. She could, with a sweep of a pen, end TIFs, first of all, in Chicago. She could end them all and return all that money back into the general fund. Or she could declare it all excess money, right? and invest it in the South and West Side for meaningful long-term change. Mm -mm -mm -mm. That don't make the business community in downtown Chicago happy. It doesn't make most of the people on the North Side of Chicago happy. They don't, that's not why they voted for her. And the people that wanted long-term economic change in the city that thought this progressive life was going to deliver it, she ain't. She ain't. We have 730 plus days now, I think, of just her not doing it. So let me give you a couple of quotes. Here's one. We owe it to all our residents in every neighborhood in Chicago to bring peace and vibrancy back. So if you reduce violence and you don't change the economic conditions of that community, you don't improve the schools, you don't improve jobs, Vibrancy is just going to come. Poverty is irrelevant. It's insanity. It's insanity. This is theater for a band-aid to make the numbers go down whatever it takes, theater-wise, of course. Let's be real. We can't get outside the box, right? Um, just bring the numbers down so she gets reelected. That's it. These the neighborhoods aren't going to change just by what she's trying to do here. Here's another one. Here's another quote from, uh, not from Mayer, but here's a, I think the last paragraph in the story. Perhaps most significantly, Lightfoot also has stressed the need for police and city officials to cooperate with street outreach, outreach violence and eruption groups. Traditionally, police and other officials have met those groups warily, but Lightfoot has spent millions of dollars supporting community outreach groups. She has somewhat. You know what? We Chicago cred, ready Chicago... And the other one slips my mind. We had representatives from them, from those groups, three of them, on this show. You can look in the archives. We talked about it, and they talked about, yeah, great. She, she increased from $1 million to $30 million or something, or $36 million that she's spending on various things related in these communities. Wonderful. That's awesome. Ain't going to make a damn bit of difference. It's better. It's slightly better. But long-term sustained change in these communities and actual poverty reduction so that you can empower the communities to have the resources to do the changing themselves? Nope. They said it themselves. The group said it themselves. Ain't going to happen. Is not going to happen. This is all theater. Don't ever forget it. This is all electoral political theater. Now, she may care about some of these communities and wanting to reduce violence, but nothing she does, nothing she, I shouldn't say she does, nothing she has proposed is going to lead to meaningful change in these communities. It's not. And the fact that she's going to magically get the police and, and street outreach organizations to work together, that's great. They, ain't, they don't build schools. 
they don't create jobs. They're not empowered to bring 20, 30, 40, 50 million of an economic development into these communities. The mayor is. They're not. But she's pushing it all towards them. Really, fundamentally, no change. Fundamentally, for the long term, there's no change. It's just theater. It's sad theater for us, but it is nothing but theater. It'd be nice if we really had a progressive in the office that was going to, first of all, end the tax increment financing program, return the billion to the general fund so it could be voted on by city council about what happens to it, but also invested in the south and west sides for meaningful long-term sustained change and creating jobs. Um, but that doesn't interest the loop and uh, the civic alliance um, and what, from large swaths of white Chicago. So, right, we're going to move on to our second segment. We're loaded. Everyone's loaded today. So, the, the title of this, it's a, run, it's a report from Channel 5. Chicago police announced changes to the department's foot policy, foot pursuit policy. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, remember that the police shot and killed Adam Toledo in a foot pursuit. And I said at the time, much to, much to challenge what is, was the view of the left, that almost no foot pursuit, if not all foot pursuit policies in place in America, would have stopped that foot pursuit. Supposedly, right, we have to say supposedly because we're not sure, the allegations are that the gentleman, the adult that Adam was with, used the gun, used the gun to shoot at a car eight times that was moving and had people in it. Shot, shot spotter and 911 calls brought police to the scene. One of the responding officers, because they often look, knowing it's going to take time for them to arrive and the shooter is most likely fleeing, they look, as they're arriving, getting closer to the scene, they start looking for people fleeing. They see Adam and a gentleman in an alley, the officers get out to engage with them. Who knows what they were actually planning on doing. What happens? Adam takes off. Adam has the gun in his hand. There's a foot pursuit down an alley. He never loses sight of Adam. They don't run around corners. It's straight down an alley. Adam turns, dumps the gun. But in the split second, the officer either doesn't realize it or doesn't care and shoots Adam, kills him. Nothing was going to change that foot pursuit policy. Nothing was going to change that foot pursuit. No policy the CPD was ever going to put in was going to change it. And I would bet most, if not all of them, from around the country would not stop that. And I bet you if you put that to a vote in, a, in Chicago in a referendum, vast majorities of Chicago would want that foot pursuit policy to continue. I don't understand people saying you, you, you got to just let people go that shoot at cars with occupants in it. I just don't understand. Anyways. What is covered in this, uh, this report from Channel 5 is an interim plan. The final rules will be set in September. I think there's public comment they're waiting on. But they never listened to it, but they're going to let the public comment. So they can ignore it and then say they looked into it and they really considered it strongly. And then didn't make any changes. Okay, so I'm going to play the report for you. It's 2 minutes and 28 seconds. And then I'll come uh, back and talk about some things about it. Okay. The police shooting of 13-year-old Adam Toledo is sparking major changes in the way Chicago police officers conduct foot pursuits. We've spent the night looking at this new policy and gathering reaction to it. NBC5's Natalie Martinez on the story live tonight with an update. Natalie? Stephen, the police superintendent says this new policy looks out for police, for the people they're chasing, and of course for the public. But some we spoke to this evening says what's written on paper might not be implemented. Adam Toledo would have turned 14 tonight. The 13-year-old would chase down in this little village alley in late March, shot and killed by a Chicago police officer. Two days later, 22-year-old Anthony Alvarez chased and killed by police after an incident at a Portage Park gas station. Now, a new foot pursuit policy requires officers to balance need for apprehension with concerns about safety. Let's let things slow down. Let's use de-escalation. Let's set up a perimeter if we need be. Let's choose, a, let's choose the right place to capture him and then the right time to capture him. 
uh, or her. Little Village activists we spoke to are apprehensive tonight. It's the same thing as the old one. There's no real changes. The Toledo family attorney writes, a meaningful foot pursuit policy is long overdue, and today's announcement is a step in the right direction. But without implementation, officer training, and compliance, the policy is written in lemon juice. A piece of writing is not really focuses, focusing on my skin color. The policy says foot pursuits can only be initiated when there is probable cause for an arrest or when a crime is about to be committed. Body cameras must be activated. Chases are prohibited for minor traffic violations and can be terminated at any time by supervisors. And it outlines alternatives for officers to consider. Ariwa Karen Winters, great nephew Pierre Lurie, was shot and killed by police April 2016 in North Lawndale and believes the policy only came from pressure by the community. I'm hoping the larger community really goes on, on the portal during the public comment period and, and make comments. I hope this policy saves someone's life. The new policy goes into effect June 11th, but isn't finalized until after a public meeting sometime in December. Meanwhile, the ACLU of Illinois says in a statement in part, today's sudden announcement fails because the policy was developed without incorporating the ideas of black and brown Chicagoans. We're live at Chicago Police Headquarters. Natalie Martinez, NBC5 News. All right, Natalie, thank you. Gathering that reaction. Okay, so let's go over some things here got to understand what's going on here this change is ridiculously ridiculously bad but i would expect nothing else from Lori lightfoot at this point i certainly wouldn't expect anything else from our handpicked superintendent david brown um he is a full reformer if there ever has been one what a joke okay defining foot pursuits as appropriate only when there is probable cause for an arrest or is believed the individual is committed has committed or is committing has committed, is committing, or is about to commit a crime. Hmm. Any crime? When what's new? And second of all, does that mean for the last 120 years, the Chicago Police Department had no regulation on who they could have a foot pursuit on? That's what that means, right? And it hasn't really changed. Why would a Chicago police officer chase someone who hasn't committed is committing or is about to commit a crime. Why would a Chicago police officer get in a foot pursuit with someone that wasn't that didn't fit that definition? It's mind-boggling. Why the hell didn't they push back on the stories? Next, prohibiting foot pursuits for criminal offenses less than a Class A misdemeanor unless the person poses an obvious threat to community or any person. Okay, you look at the Anthony Alvarez. They had him for driving without or driving on a suspended license. Is that above Class A misdemeanor? I thought if you're going to see real foot pursuit reform, we were going to get only foot pursuits for violent crimes, armed robbery, murder, shootings, rape, aggravated batteries. I don't understand. That, this to me, is completely meaningless. It's unbelievable. All right, next, prohibiting foot pursuits stemming from minor traffic violations. That's good. Kudos, David Brown, you got one thing right. Outlining alternatives to foot pursuits that should always be considered by officers, including establishing a surveillance or containment area and or apprehending an identified suspect at another time or place. Can someone explain to me what the hell that means? And I mean, what the hell does that mean? These things kick off in a second. You want the officer to stop and think, well, let's see, could we cordon him off? By the time they run that through, then their head, the person's gone. That is BS. That was put in there to make people who read it think like, oh, they're really going to consider these things. BS. Ensuring circumstances surrounding a foot pursuit are considered before any foot pursuit takes place. Officers must ask themselves if they need to apprehend the sus subject the need to apprehend the subject is worth the risk to responding as op responding officers, the public, or the subject. Really? Once again, they're not going to stop and ask themselves that. Almost never. Almost never. Outline responsibilities for supervisors, which will allow them to instruct officers to discontinue a foot pursuit at any time. That's good if they're listening to the radio and the cops report it on the radio, and it's long enough 
fleeing officer, the supervisor, to determine what's going on and order the change. Yeah, that's possible, maybe. But the officers have to listen. They disregard the, the, the um, order to stop car chases all the time just by saying they didn't hear anything. Requiring officers to notify OEMC, Office of Emergency Management and Communications, of a pursuit, foot pursuit, they have to check in on their radios, Ensure, ensuring officers engage in foot pursuits, activate body-worn cameras, that's good. Those two are good. But I don't think there's, I don't think there's penalties for not doing that. What if they don't do it? There's no penalties. You can't be disciplined. So I like those two last ones, but I'm not sure what good it does unless there's something behind it. They're not really going to think about whether or not foot pursuit. It should just be probably no, we're only going to get in foot pursuits with people that are, that commit or have committed, or we believe strongly that they have committed a violent act or will commit a violent act, right? Our robbery rate. Aggravated battery, like domestic violence, homicides, shootings, things like that. Mayor Lightfoot really had no interest in changing it. That's how we ended up with this foot pursuit policy. This is for the most part, not entirely, but for the most part, part toothless and worthless. And almost nothing is going to change from it. But this is how David Brown, the faux reformer, because he's a fraud, this is how he operates. This is his history in Dallas. It's a smoke and mirrors game. This is what he does. So here's what we end up with. This would have not prevented the Adam Toledo um, shooting. I didn't think it would, but it certainly isn't going to. I'm less certain about whether it would have impacted the Anthony Alvarez one. I'm less sure about what the impact would be. Time will tell as they, um, we get a little more about the policy. Okay, we're on to our next segment. And the title of the South, South Side Weekly segment is an article is Objectively Reasonable, Necessary, and Proportional. And this is talking about the shooting of Anthony Alvarez. Evan Solano, there we go. Evan Solano is the officer. This is a review of Solano's TRR. And it's a res response report that he has to file with the police department about the shooting, about the use of force. Um, he shot Anthony Alvarez. You can look it up. We've done previous shows on it. You can look it up anywhere. Um, so here's some quotes from it. And this is why a great example, ladies and gentlemen, about why we need legislation and not police policy changes. Police policy changes don't work. They just disregard them. In Solano's TRR, he claims that both he and his partner, Sammy and Carcion, were facing a threatening assailant and were in imminent danger. Untrue. Unless imminent danger is anyone that's holding a gun that is running from the police. If that's imminent danger, then maybe. Otherwise, no. He didn't point the gun. He didn't do any act that would make anyone think he was going to do it. And even when he shoots Alvarez, Alvarez, and he's standing over him, Alvarez is like, why did you shoot me, dude? And he's like, well, you had a gun. That's all I need. You had a gun. I can shoot you. We move on. Solano's report, and this is why you have to, these policies don't work. Solano's report alleged that he sustained an injury during the encounter with Alvarez. The narrative section of Solano's report was left blank. The narrative section where Solano was supposed to detail the incident, the, the injury was left blank. Under CPD directives, if any section of the TRR is incomplete, review by a supervisor and investigative supervisor should ensure completion. Did it happen? No, of course not. They're not going to make an, a fellow officer write anything in a report about a shooting where they killed someone, especially they're not going to make them fill out and put more stuff on paper. That's dangerous for the officer and may actually result in discipline. Of course not. This officer, as we'll get to in the thing, should have been stripped of his powers immediately. 
should have put on desk duty and moving towards firing him. Now, the CPD, the supervising officer and the investigating supervisor, who did not make Solano fill out what his injury was, should be fired. Fired. You're part of the cover-up. What injury did Solano have? Was it mental? Because he had to shoot the guy that was running away from him who didn't point a gun at him? Of course this didn't happen. One more point for this piece. Solano also marked a box indicating that Alvarez used force likely to cause death or great bodily harm. Force is defined in CPD directives as physical contact and is reported differently, reported differently than threat of battery with a weapon, which Solano also reported. So what exactly force did Alvarez use? You can see it on the video. None. None. Solano should be fired for filing the false police reports. None. But Solano can't say he did none because then the shooting wouldn't be justified. He'd be admitting it. So he lied. Fired. Fired. Now, we're going to get to in the next segment, which connects about what happened after the shooting, after Alvarez, I mean Solano, was recommended to be stripped of his police powers, his gun taken away, his badge taken away, because that's what the Citizen Officer of Police Accountability wanted to happen. What happened on the streets when they left him armed? On desk duty, but armed him with a badge. Well, let's find out. We're going to do that. First of all, I recommend everyone go and read that um, Southside Week Weekly article. It's really good. Um, I would also tell you that for those on the listening to the podcast, once the podcast gets posted, the the post on our website has all the images we show in the in the show, and it also has all the links to everything. So you can go and look up the reports we're talking about and the articles we're talking about. Here's our next one, and it's about Solano, Evan Solano, or at least it's believed to be Evan Solano. And I saw this on Twitter. I saw this video when it shortly after it was posted, but I did not. I wasn't convinced about who it was at the time, and even that this officer was necessarily a Chicago police officer, although he looked like one. I wasn't sure, so I wasn't going to bring it to light, but now it seems like it's true. Here we go. Here's the title. Chicago cop, this is from Black Cub Chicago. Chicago cop who fatally shot Anthony Alvarez being investigated for pulling gun in Logan Square road rage clash. Yep. And if you go to this post, and you can probably just Google it now, you can see the videos. I'm not going to play them for this segment, but you can get them. So let's look a bit of a chronology, okay? Anthony Alvarez is shot on March 31st. On April 28th, the Citizen Office of Police Accountability recommends that Evan Solano, the officer involved in the shooting, be stripped of his police powers, which means they take your badge, they take your gun. Copa may have thought that much earlier, but Alvarez is, I mean, Solano is automatically put on 30 days of desk duty after a shooting like that. So Copa had time. They do it within the 30 days. I think if I do my math right, it's 21 or 22 days later. I'm sorry, 28. So it's 28 or 29 days later. They recommend he be stripped. They release it to the public before I think the superintendent gets it, Mayor Lightfoot and the superintendent blow up, but they don't strip him. They don't strip him. They left Solano on the street. David Brown's job should be on the line. He should be in front of city council now that this is broken. The story is broken. That he was that Solano was involved in this road rage. He should be in front of the city council public safety committee answering for why he left Solano on the street. One in that video, the date of the shooting of Anthony Alvarez made him think that Solano was a cop that was worthy of staying on the job. One in those reports that he lied about, that he lied in, makes David Brown think that Solano is worth keeping on the job. Then you add this now. So there was some kind of road rage incident involving Solano and another driver. The other driver um, 
is in a white pickup truck or a white truck van of some kind. I think van is a better description. They're arguing back and forth. Alvaro Asolano was beeping at him and yelling at him. He's taking up two lanes or whatever. He's got to move. The guy gets out of his the um, van, starts yelling at Solano, move your car. I'm not in two lanes. If you don't, I'll move it for you, blah, blah, blah. Solano gets out of his car on video and takes his gun out. Now, for those of you, like the Chicago Justice Project, wondering if Evan Solano filed a use of force report when he took his gun from his holster off duty, while, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, on desk duty for a fatal, highly, incredibly, unbelievably questionable fatal shooting of a youngster, the Chicago Justice Project is going to FOIA every document the police department and the mayor's office, including all their emails, have about this latest incident involving Mr. Solano. My bet is they have none. I bet Solano didn't file anything. That should be reason enough to be terminated. It should also be reason enough to be stripped. Now, what the police department did, because they're so utterly corrupt, I think it's Thomas Ahern, if I got his name right, in talking about corrupt. You know his wife, Marianne Ahern, the NBC reporter. So if she ever retweets him or shares his stuff on social media, remember she's sharing her husband, even though she's supposed to be like this top, unbelievably, you know, dogged reporter in Chicago. But anyways, Mr. Ahern didn't comment other than to say that they've extended Mr. Solano's desk duty. Well, did you strip him? Because if they were stripping him, that's a sign that there is reason to believe your actions are going to cause the termination, the, the city, the, cause the CPD to move to terminate your job. That's why you strip someone. Did they strip him? Not really. It's a BS way for the police department to get him off the street or keep him off the street, but not take his gun and badge. One in that video where he pulls a gun amidst some kind of road rage incident and failed, I think, I would bet, failed to report it, made you think he was worthy of staying on the gig. What in the shooting made them think it? Someone should force that conversation. Hey, Marianne Ahern, when you go home at night, have a conversation with your husband, the flack, or one of the flacks for the Chicago Police Department, and see if you can get those answers. But you, as one of the top reporters in Chicago, and all of your brethren, all of your colleagues should be pressed in the Chicago Police Department for that answer. Will they? Not a chance. Not a chance. It's a joke here, ladies and gentlemen. Okay. As I talked about the nation before, I'm going to give you, take a quick break and give you one minute of information about our nation program, and I will be back in a minute. Join a group of engaged and committed individuals advocating for transparency and accountability in the local justice system around the country. Get engaged through crowdsourced research projects, digital activism, public policy advocacy, or become a social media ambassador. Our criminal justice system will not reform itself. Communities must demand it. Transparency can be the fuel for justice our local communities need to combat the weaponizing of data by our justice system. Transformation of our justice system cannot occur until we know exactly what they are doing and who they are doing it to. Get involved today, CJP Nation. It talks about a botched, sorry, we had technical issues there, ladies and gentlemen. Um, this segment talks about a botched raid from the community safety team. The safety team that was supposed to build, help build relationships with communities. They were going to do community work for some other time, and they were going to do enforcement the other, the regular police activities, and they were going to build these relationships. This comes after the Anjanette Young raid and after the department said, we're going to reform all these policies and we're going to do this for raids and we don't need any ordinances and it's all about policy and we're really going to do it this time. So this is a seven-minute segment from report from David Savini and CBS2. But remember, this is post-Anjanette Young's raid making 
headlines and that video about how awful the mayor felt and how awful David Brown felt and how awful all these people felt. Right? So think about that as you're watching this report. Reforms to the way officers get and obtain search warrants. Yeah, it was a great show, great speech. But as CBS 2 investigator Dave Savini reveals, it seems the raid teams didn't get the message. They treated us like we were below them. Any individuals found within a location where a search warrant is executed must be treated with dignity and respect. The mayor's pledge. Do you feel like they should have treated your family with more respect? Yeah. And the police superintendent's vow. So the real question you're asking is if treating someone with respect gets in the way of doing our job. And the answer is no. Promises of reform made after the CBS2 investigators exposed dozens of bad raids on innocent families over the last three years. We are going to get this right. That was March 3rd. But just 11 days later. I never got treated like that by anybody in my entire life. This happened. A raid team that we found violated Chicago police policy hits a home in Bridgeport with so much force the entire structure shakes. We're still in our pajamas, just lounging around. It was a Sunday morning and George Garcia's birthday. His wife Kimberly and their two children, 12-year-old Georgie and 3-year-old Cruzy, were excited to celebrate. And then what happens? All of a sudden I just hear my whole house shaking and a big bang. Videos from the Garcia's home security system show police pulling up, a team of officers with guns and a battering ram heading to the side door to break it down. Only problem? The search warrant they are holding was not properly approved. I just heard like boom, boom, boom. Even before that March 3rd news conference, Chicago police policy required a lieutenant or above verify and approve all search warrants. Now the city says it's an even higher rank, a deputy chief who must sign off on a warrant before a judge does. These are just some of the new pre-execution safeguards that must be followed before a search warrant can ever be presented to the state's attorney or to a court. But none of that happened in the Garcia raid. Armed with that warrant in question, police kept ramming the door. Garcia, worried it might fall on him, ran to a window to talk to police. So you were yelling out of a top window? Yes. Stop hitting the door. I will open it. And I said, hey guys, I'm trying to open the door for you guys. Hey guys! Hey guys, I'm trying to open the door! Open the door! Then they told him not to move. Stay right there! Once inside, the raid team headed to the second floor and burst into Garcia's apartment. What was the first thing you saw? A gun. Then they say they tried to get to their youngest child, Cruzy. And I'm just trying to get to my kid. Do you see it? I just play it over and over again. And they just put the gun to my head and told me to turn around. Which brings us to the city's next promise, immediate changes to how vulnerable people, especially children, will be treated during raids. The guns were pointed at your brother and your mom. Yeah, and my direction. dad. Georgie Garcia says he and his little brother ended up in another room. Two children are screaming, you know, screaming for their parents. So the whole time you were put in that room, you couldn't get to your mom and dad. Yeah. And you were scared. I felt scared. I didn't want him to see me crying. You were trying to console your brother? I had to stay strong for him, so I kept my emotions and just protected him. And then there's this. The city also promised to address one of its most widespread failures we uncovered during our multi-year investigation into wrong raids. Long before their news conference in March, it was CPD policy never to base a search warrant solely on the word of a confidential informant. But the Garcia warrant is based solely on the word of a confidential informant. There's no mention of any actual police work, no undercover drug buys, no surveillance, no verification at all that drugs were being sold out of the apartment before police burst in. 
Later, we see these images. The entire apartment ransacked, personal belongings and toys wrecked. They're not doing their job. That's just it. They're just using their own system however they want, however they see fit. The warrant only gave them the power to search Garcia's apartment on the second floor of this multi-unit building. But when they found nothing, they started to search the garage and other units too. It makes no sense. I was sleeping, not minding my own business. Officers searched the first floor where Michael Zastro was in bed. You can even hear the raid team talking about how it was someone else's place. And what's this, somebody else's apartment? Yeah. They pulled me out the room and then they started searching my whole room and the whole apartment. And this wasn't just any raid team. All of the officers on this raid belonged to police superintendent David Brown's newly created community safety team. Formed last year during the height of unrest and widespread calls for reform as a way to not only fight crime, but to improve trust between police and the public. They were just laughing the whole time like it was funny, like, it was, like this was some kind of sick joke to them. Then came the final humiliation. They went through your underwear. Mm -hmm. And not just through it, like they were holding it. And showing it. Yeah, like putting it up and then like giving me looks and like smirking. But the hardest part of the raid, they say, is what it did to the children, especially Cruzy. Does he talk about seeing the guns? Yeah, he keeps on saying, uh, monsters, and he goes like this. He's like, monsters, monsters. In that moment, while you're handcuffed and you couldn't put your arms around your kids, what did that do to you? They get all emotional and you can't do nothing. You can't comfort them. You can't give them a hug. You can't tell mommy's going to be okay because you don't know what's happening. And then when they left, did they say, we're sorry? No, they said happy birthday. And we asked them what happens with the doors. And they said, he's in construction. He can figure it out they himself. The officer who got the warrant and the sergeant in charge of the raid have a combined 86 disciplinary complaint investigations, four of them sustained, two apiece. The Civilian Office of Police Accountability is now investigating what happened during the Garcia raid. Dave Savini, CBS2 Investigators. In a written statement tonight, Chicago police say they, quote, immediately referred this incident to Copa, but a source familiar with the raid tells us CPD only brought it to Copa's attention after we started asking questions and submitting public records requests. Dave has, of course, done extensive reporting on the pattern of botched raids by Chicago police over the last several years. To see this award-winning body of work that's finally leading to promises of reform, visit cbschicago.com slash unwarranted. All right. This is why. This is a perfect example of why we need another perfect example, but probably the most perfect. We need laws, not more police department policies. I'm all for putting the best policies in place possible, but we need laws, right? We need laws, make it felonies, make it criminal acts for police to have such an epic, unprecedented failure. And there'd be no repercussions. How are there no repercussions from this? And remember, ladies and gentlemen, this is David Brown's team. He owns them. He owns what they do. This is old school type policing. What were they chasing, ladies and gentlemen? Were they chasing massive amounts of violence? Were they going after a crew that was known to be violent? No, ladies and gentlemen. No, 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 no. They were, tracing, they were chasing a, a drug dealer. They were tracing, chasing drugs, not violence, drugs. And not drugs necessarily connected to violence, just drugs. Some guy they busted for buying from them or selling from them or possession went to them and said, hey, I know someone, I can give you someone, let me give you this house. Do we really want our police departments and here in Chicago, knocking down doors like this over drug sales, not connected to violence, not a violent crew. Is this what we want? Because this is what we're getting. This is not new, new style policing. This is old school, retrograde, 1970s, 1960s, 1980s policing, 1990s policing. There is nothing new here. This is as old as the day is young. There's nothing new here, inventive, innovative. 
you can bet that couple told everyone on their block and everyone they know in that community and all their friends and family about what happened. That community team that David Brown put together, it's not doing any good. If that's the type of raids they're doing, forget about it. It's a joke. Maybe another reason why David Brown should go. There's nothing new to that. We don't need large 100-man, 200-man, 300-person units chasing drugs. We don't need it. It's worthless. Chase a violent crew? All for it. That's something we could talk about. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. This, these types of things are generally about producing numbers, ladies and gentlemen. That's what it's about. It's a producing numbers. We got this many drugs. We confiscated this many drugs. Got this many weapons. We got all of this. We have made so many arrests. It's about numbers production. It's about showing activity and having getting little stars by your name up on the board or in the system. That's all this is. This is not making Chicago any safer. It isn't. Those people that buy the drugs from those people or whoever they thought they're buying drugs from, they probably got lied to, excuse me, by the informant. You think they're not getting their drugs somewhere else even if that family did sell drugs? They're not going to get their drugs somewhere else? Of course they are. It's a joke. If that family, if those drug sellers or whoever they were going after were linked to serious on-the-street, in-the-real-world violence, then we can have a discussion. Anything less, this is about numbers and BS. This is total BS under David Brown, under Lori Lightfoot. They're in charge. Nothing has changed. It's retrograde policing. Congratulations, Mayor Lightfoot, head of the Police Accountability Task Force, president of the Chicago Police Board, head of the Office of Professional Standards. Retrograde policing. 730 days in, Mayor, and this is still what the crap your, your police department's doing. What change? What is different than what this policing was done under Rahm, was done under Daly, was done under Jane Byrne, was done under Harold Washington, and all the people that came before him, even old man Daly. The, nothing's changed, Mayor. Why did we elect you if this is what we're getting? Fail. Hashtag massive 730 day fail. And there's no reason, nothing she has done to date makes me think anything else, anything new is going to change. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to get to one more segment. Tonight, and this is, let me read you the headline. For a second time, Cook County Commissioners consider a resolution targeting policing jail funding. We have to say out loud that black lives matter. This is an article from the Chicago Tribune. Ladies and gentlemen, the key segment in here. This is the second time the Cook County Board is trying to pass a resolution that says they're going to strongly consider maybe thinking of possibly doing, but actually, no, we don't have to stick to this and we can completely ignore this resolution, crapola, of trying to turn or reallocate resources away from the criminal justice system. In Cook County, that means the Cook County Sheriff's Police, Cook County Jail, and put it towards services that may actually help people Stay out of ever getting sucked up into the criminal justice system and getting sent to Cook County Jail, into the Cook County Courts, into the Cook County State's Attorney's Office. Right? That's what they're talking about. But this is the second time. How useless is this board that they can't even pass this resolution? It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. It's set for a June vote. And I wanted to talk about it a little bit here because this this cracks me up. This is um, this is more like whatever you do, don't hold the police accountable. Don't you question what they do? Because if you do, even though it's a democratic society and the com and the citizens are supposed to challenge and question and hold their government accountable, don't hold the police. You can hold the taxing people and the politicians accountable, but you can't hold the police. We love the police. Or the jailers in this case. 
because that's mostly what they're talking about here, but it could be the courts and the state attorney's office too. But let's get to this quote. Commissioner Sean Morrison, a Palos Park Republican, added to the rhetoric in both of Johnson's resolutions, added that the rhetoric in both of Johnson's resolutions has a chilling effect on police morale during a time of heightened gun violence in Chicago, including towards officers. Oh, I bet you if you talk to Palos Park uh, Commissioner Sean Morrison, he would be all for questioning every other aspect of the government other than the police. Every other aspect of government deserves to be questioned. It may be shut down and eliminated, but not the police. That's the great hypocrisy of the right. The government's coming to get you. They're going to invade your lives. They're going to do this. Except for the police. They can go and break down your doors anytime they want, whether they're right or not. Don't worry about it. Don't question them. They can raid your house and point guns at your kids for no reason. Off little or no information. They can, as they did with Solano, they can lie in police reports after they kill kids. That's fine. We don't care. Don't question them. It's, the, it's a massive, massive, epic hypocrisy. Question every part of government. Close them down. Cut their resources. But police just keep putting more and more and more money towards that. Because I'm white, basically. is What he's saying is I'm white and I don't have to worry about it because they ain't going to raid my house like they did that Latino couple. Don't worry about it. I'm fine. They can keep going doing what they're doing. Reallocating any funding from the justice system or policing, it's depressing to police. It's our obligation as citizens to make sure that their morale is high and they're happy no matter how bad at how bad they perform their jobs. No matter how much violence they reap on communities of color. We have to keep them good. We have to keep them happy. Don't allocate funds, don't talk about it because if you do you're a bad man. You're a bad person. Everything else we can close and cut and don't worry about it, but not the police because we're going to worry about their morale. It's a joke. Sorry, ladies, uh, commissioner, as citizens in America, as residents in America, we have an obligation to question our government, all aspects of it, and policing is none other, especially when we keep tossing money down that hole and it doesn't give us the outcomes we want. <sighs> we're going to have to continue this time and time and time again. Okay. Thank you so much, ladies and gentlemen, for sh staying with us today. Even though we had some technical glitch, we appreciate it. You can catch our show every Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 5.30. We're back to our normal schedule after the holiday. I'll see you Friday at 5.30 p.m. Um, Central Time. You can also get clips of this on our YouTube channel and our Facebook channel. They'll be uploaded tomorrow. You can also grab the podcast version uh, the Chicago Justice Podcast, uh, Apple, Google, any of uh, Spotify. We're all over the place. Make sure you subscribe, um, and we'll be back. Uh, and remember, if you want to learn about the nation, get us at info at chicagojustice.org, and we'll hook you up with that information. Otherwise, I will see you Friday at 530 Central. Thank you. Have a great day.